Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. So, we said last week that we're doing a series through the book of Ephesians, and we're focusing title of the series is In Him. And so in case you were wondering how we picked that title, we're going to walk through that this morning. So what I'd like is we're going to start reading in verse 1, and uh, as we go through, you're going to see In Him uh, shows up a lot. So go ahead and bring that next slide up. See, it's going to show up often in here. And when we're talking about being in him, he's talking about when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and ask him to be your savior. And then you say the words, but you also have to believe it in your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 said you have to do both. And then you're saved. And then you are in him. As soon as you receive Christ as your savior, you are in him. So... Uh, I, when, when I read through these verses, I'm going to emphasize the part where it talks about being in him. Paul didn't emphasize it necessarily, except by the repetition. But I'm going to say those words a little louder to make them stand out this morning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Did you notice in him shows up a lot in there? He wants to emphasize that. He wants us to see that. He wants us to focus on our position in Christ. Now, you know, some of you are married. Before you got married, you were already in love, hopefully. 
Uh, you already had a heart of commitment to each other. Uh, but then once you got married, then you were in the coupleship, in the marriage. And when you receive Christ, some people grow up hearing about Jesus. They grew up from the time they were little. I had a certificate, I don't have it anymore, and a New Testament that I wore out. Uh, from when I was on the cradle roll, and, and uh, my parents dedicated me to the Lord when I was just a little baby. And uh, so I had a Bible and a certificate uh, that said I was presented to the Lord at their church on whatever day it was. And normally the pastor did that, but my mom's dad was also a pastor. So uh, our church pastor let my mom's dad be the one who dedicated me. I didn't learn that till I was like, well, after I got after I got saved, I learned that I was 16 when I got saved, and then I found that out. But uh, but it didn't really matter that I went to the church all those years. I went to Sunday school. I went to Bible classes and Bible clubs for kids in churches in Arizona and Texas and Nebraska and New Mexico and. Idaho. Dad was in the military. And so uh, I grew up in all those churches and going to all those places. It didn't do me a bit of good. And every time we'd move to a new community, we would visit several churches unless dad happened to go to the right church the first time, you know. Sometimes you go to visit a church once, you're like, this is my home church. Uh, but sometimes you have to visit several to get that feel to find the one that you're looking for. But, uh, but when I trusted Christ as my Savior, ch church took on a new meaning. Church was where I gathered with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It wasn't where my parents made me go. It was where I chose to go. And I chose to learn and love and follow the Lord. And being in Him makes all the difference in this life. And it makes the only difference in the life to come. You need to be in Him. So if you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, let today be your spiritual birthday. We were focusing on some birthdays. Today is Johnny's 40th birthday. Actually, he's been out sick, so I wasn't sure whether he'd be able to be here or not. I know he won't be next week. He'll be out of town. But, uh, but Johnny, uh, it's his physical birthday. Well, more important than your physical birthday is your spiritual one. Because your physical birthday just got you here. But your spiritual birthday is what gets you there. So trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, last week we looked at the first few verses of the, this chapter. And we tried to answer the question, what are you predestined to? That most of the time in the New Testament, when they talk about election and predestination, they're talking about the difference it makes in our life right here since our salvation. That's the focus of it. So if you missed that message, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and watch the video or go listen to our podcast and, and tune into that. Um, today we're looking at you exist for the pleasure and glory of God. You exist for the pleasure and glory of God. Now hopefully some of you are thinking, hopefully all of you are, okay? <laughs> And when you think of the glory of God, is there some verse in the Bible that kind of jumps out at the fact that we can't measure up to that? In, in Romans 3, the Apostle Paul says, all have sinned 
and come short or fall short of the glory of God. Every person. So, am I disagreeing with Paul when I say you exist for the pleasure and the glory of God? No, Paul said that himself. Paul changed. He, the focus is before salvation and after salvation. So before salvation, all have sinned and fall short. You cannot measure up to the glory of God. You can't possibly. There's nothing in you that can bring glory to God before you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But after you receive him, now you have the potential. Notice I say potential. Not, it, it doesn't just happen. You have the potential to bring glory to God. So that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, finish it with me. Do all to the glory of God. You can do things to the glory of God. You can do your day to the glory of God. The way you live, the way you work, the way you drive, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time. You can do it to the glory of God because you're focusing on him and seeking to bring glory to him. It doesn't happen automatically, and it doesn't happen for those who are not yet saved, those who are not in Christ. But if you are in Christ, you can do that. Now, as we, read, as we read through this, there's three big ideas that I want you to think about. The main idea is right here on the screen. You exist for the pleasure and glory of God. That's why you exist. Okay? Now, uh, first thing about this, it's all about him. This is a small idea under the bigger idea. Or maybe it's a big idea. Okay? Look at verse 5. Verse 5, he says, having predestined us, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's all about him. God determined uh, that he would save people. God determined that he would save those who believe. It's all about him. It's according to the good pleasure of his will. It's not you. It, it's not about you. I know some of you maybe think the younger you are, the more you think it's all about you. And sometimes people never outgrow that. But it's all about him and according to the good pleasure of his will. He says something similar in verse 9. In verse 9, he says, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. He made this decision. He made this revelation. He provided it. He gave the opportunity. And we can then believe and trust in him because he is at work. And then verse 11, he says something similar again. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Don't you wish you could do that? I mean, don't you wish you could work everything according to the purpose of your will? I mean, don't you wish you, you have a car that you love? Don't you wish you could make that car still be running great with a million miles on it? You know, because you love that car. Uh, you, have, you have clothes that, that you, you just love. 
I had a Marine Corps shirt when I was in the Marine Corps. It had a bulldog on the front and it had the backside of a bulldog on the back. And we didn't own a washing machine, so Kathy had to go to the laundromat. And one day at the laundromat, that shirt mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> she, she honestly, she didn't know what happened to it. And I've struggled to believe that over the years. <laughs> But you know, I love that shirt. I had another shirt that I absolutely love. And at one point, Kathy said, you know, I can see your ribs through your shirt. It's a little threadbare. It's time to let it go. And what if we could work everything according to our will? So that you could eat Pop-Tarts and Twinkies and it'd be just as healthful as kale and veggies. Uh, what, what if, and it wouldn't taste like kale either. I don't know why people eat kale. Some people like it, I guess. But I don't think we'll be eating kale in heaven. Or if we do, I'll have sanctified taste buds and I won't mind it. But listen, God works everything according to his will. So when you're going through a really bad time, Remember, God's working this according to his will. Even those, as we mentioned earlier in the service, they had a loss in the family, a brother, an uncle, who's now with the Lord in heaven. God's working that according to his will. His prayer in John 17 is that his believers would be with him. So that uncle, that brother, is now completing Jesus' prayer request. He's now with him in heaven. And God's working everything according to his will. God is so awesome that almost 8 billion people on this planet make decisions all day long. And not one of those decisions moves them outside the control that God exerts on planet Earth. To us, it feels like chaos. But to God, he knows everything that's going to happen and he puts limitations on things. He is always in control. It's all about him. So when you try and exist for the pleasure and glory of God, you have to do it his way. Some people, they try and do things that would be nice for somebody else. Like uh, Kathy and I got given money to, to do a, a date, uh, just a fun date thing. That, that uh, And we haven't used the money yet, but... I, I came up with a genius thing that we could do for our date. There's a tandem zip line that's the highest and longest in Arizona. And I'm like, babe, this is just made for it. And she's like, no, it's not. <laughs> you can go and enjoy, but it won't be a date with me, she said. So, uh, but... We have to realize that we have to do things God's way. To bring glory to him is to submit to him. To bring pleasure to him is to do what he wants. We can't just do what we want and then ask him to bless it. The second major idea under the big idea is all praise to him. All praise to him. Now, when I was uh, pastoring in Texas, uh, I was co-pastoring for a while in Texas before I came here. And the, uh, the other pastor, he, he, if anybody said anything 
uh, that they enjoyed about the message or he, they appreciated something that he shared or how he shared it or anything, he would not say, ever say thank you. He would just say, God bless you. And his focus was he wanted God to get the glory. But it seemed stilted. And I think it's okay to say, well, thank you. To God be the glory or something like that. But don't be the one who says, oh, thank you. Thank you. I spent many hours studying, preparing. <laughs> you should feel so blessed to be in my presence. All praise to him. Now, we got some pretty terrific deacons in this church. But one of the things that makes these deacons terrific is they don't walk around trying to get attention. You know, you don't walk in on Sunday morning and there's deacons with this banner on their forehead that says God's deacon in this church. They are God's deacon in this church, but they don't advertise it because their heart is to pull us together, not to lift themselves above. In fact, when Peter was talking about the pastor, the role of the pastor in the church, he said he has to be among the congregation, has to be among them. Now, Kathy and I had a pastor, a friend, and he had chairs up at the front of the church that were really super fancy chairs. They kind of looked like thrones. And so the pastor would sit there on his throne, and when I was guest speaking for him, I would sit over here. No, he would sit on that one, and I would sit on this one. Doesn't matter to you, but it did to my brain. And so he would sit there, and I would sit here, and then over there, the song leader would sit, and if there was somebody else doing something, they would sit in the other one. And, and it, it like separated us from the congregation. For, for years, when I first came here, um, Jim Ricosi and Jim Reeves and different guys, we'd sit up here during the service. And then we'd step up and do our thing, and then we'd sit down, and then when I got up to preach, they'd go sit somewhere else. And then one day I said, you know, I really don't like that. I want to be among the congregation. I love being among you when you sing. Um, not because I didn't like looking at you when I was up here singing, uh, but because I can focus just on the worship when I'm doing that. And I'm not thinking who's here, who's not here, what's wrong with that person, they're not singing. I, I'm just focusing on the Lord. And so uh, I, I, I think it's important that you cultivate in your life and that we cultivate in our church all praise to him. We focus on that. We see that. We appreciate that. And God has blessed this church richly with some very faithful, very generous people. But we give all praise to him. So look at this passage again. We'll look at a few verses. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We're blessed, but we bless him. Bless him. Blessed be God. In verse 6, he says, To the praise of the glory of his grace. We praise him. We focus on praise to him. In verse 12, it ends with, To the praise of his glory. In verse 14, it ends with, To the praise of his glory. All praise to him. We focus on him. We exalt him. Now, I was in a church service. I wasn't a member of that church. 
I was visiting with family, and uh, the song, the pastor made some announcement in the church, and he, he misspoke something. He got it wrong. How many of you know a person who's ever said anything not quite accurately? Okay? That's so a normal thing, right? Stuff like that happens sometimes. And so the, the song later then got up after the pa pastor made the announcement. And before he did the next song, he said, Pastor got the date wrong there. So let's say it's going to be July 4th. We're going to have our picnic and an indoor picnic here with the air conditioning going. And, and the pastor said it would be on July 3rd. And so the song leader got up because he wanted to make sure everybody knew it was July 4th. It was different circumstances, but the same idea. And then afterward, the guest speaker stepped up. And like he said, like the song leader sitting about where Ben is, and, and he says, don't you ever correct your pastor. Now, I have a couple of theological problems with that. As my wife will happily testify, sometimes this pastor needs correcting. I get things wrong, especially dates. <laughs> I don't know why. She's got a calendar in her head. Some days I got nothing in mind, but I don't have a calendar in there. But, uh, Paul gave specific instruction to Timothy on how to deal with a pastor in the church who needs correcting. There's biblical instruction in how to do it. So it was absolutely wrong of that guest speaker to do that. Now, if, that, if we were in that situation and a guest speaker in our church said that, I would step in and thank him for being here, ask him to sit down and say, that was not appropriate instruction for our church, and let's turn to this passage and let's go. If I wasn't here and he was a guest speaker filling in for me, Tim Pennick would step up and do that because he's chairman of our deacons. If Tim and I were both gone, Ben would step up and do that. Why? Because we have to follow God's word. All praise to him. Every human being. Every single one, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a sinful person who needed salvation, who desperately needed to put their faith and trust in God's plan of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that includes pastors. And when I became a pastor, I did not suddenly become sinlessly perfect. I really wish I would have, but it didn't happen. My sinless perfection is in heaven, the same place yours is. Till we get there, we're going to struggle together. And we're going to praise him because he's the one who deserves the praise. All right, now, one other big idea under the concept of um, being, bringing pleasure and glory to God is that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Look at verse 3. He says specifically that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Okay? Now, we're going to walk through some of the blessings that he's given us that Paul mentions in this passage. The first one we're going to think about today is in verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons. We are adopted by God. Now, 
when, when we think of adoption on earth, I mentioned last week my little brother's adopted, but it, it's different. Uh, earthly adoption is not quite the same. Uh, when God adopts us, he makes us a son of inheritance. So even ladies are a son of inheritance. They have the full inheritance of son. Even the second born son or third born son, they have the exact same inheritance. Every single one of us is made a son of inheritance. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save them who believe. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are adopted into his family. God has made us his heirs. And by the way, pastors and deacons and church members are equal heirs of this inheritance of Christ. We receive the inheritance of salvation because God has adopted us into his family and designated us to be inheritors. And that's his gift and his blessing to us. We are blessed. Look at verse 6. He says, we are accepted. Now, he gives specific terminology here. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. Well, what does that mean? What it means is that you belong in his family, regardless of your past. Now, how many of you did something in your past that you really regret having done? Yeah, a lot of people. And some things we did were really bad, and some things we did didn't quite seem so bad, but, but they were still sinful, perhaps. Uh, the sinful things that you did. Some people think, I could never be accepted into God's family because I've done so many bad things. And the Apostle Paul said, my, his example was that he was the chief of sinners and he showed that God can save anybody. So it doesn't matter what a mess you made of your life. If you've been spending the majority of your adult life in prison, if you spent time in juvenile facilities before you were an adult, it doesn't matter if you were the nicest person on the planet. Once you come to Christ, we're all equally in there. We are accepted in the beloved. Have you thought about that? I mean, Jeff Miller belongs in God's family just as much as the Apostle Paul. Just as much as Peter. Just as much as John. Why? Because he trusted Christ the same way they did. He put his faith and trust in Christ and God makes us accepted in the beloved. Now we got some younger kids over there in children's church today and uh, if they trust Christ, when they trust Christ, they are absolutely, completely accepted in the beloved. You belong in his family regardless of your past. 
You belong in his family regardless of your current struggles. You belong in his family. He made it happen. It's a supernatural spiritual gift that God gives to us. He gives you the full credit. Now, when I served as a supervisory chaplain for the Department of Public Safety here in Arizona, I was given a card, a metal card, strip card, and a key. And the, the Z key and the card would get me into any DPS facility in Arizona except the crime lab. Uh, I even had my card could get me even into the director's office. I, I could use his conference room anytime I wanted to. He made that available. I could go to any building owned by DPS anywhere in the state of Arizona, and those two keys, the key or the card, would get me in and, and, and get, get to do whatever I needed to do for them. And I did that for several years before I had to cut back and, and stop doing that. Did you know God has given you a full access pass? He's given you one. I mean, we have people in here that we could call a cat lady. We have people in here who are dog people. We have people, the only animals they like is when they're on the grill. <laughs> but you know what? We all belong together. God's made us part of his family. He, he created this bond. We are accepted in the beloved. And what happens in some churches is some people come in and they don't fit that church. And so because they don't look like everybody else, they're not accepted. Now let me tell you something. When God accepts people, you better accept them. That's your job. He's in charge. When I pastored in Sawadita, we had a whole bunch of people coming to the church that were kind of poor, kind of struggling financially, but we were reaching them for Christ, and, and they were getting saved, and then they'd come, they'd want to get baptized, they'd want to join the church, they'd want to start serving, and we had this sweet older lady who loved the Lord, but she was a little mixed up, and she came to me and she said, Pastor, I'm kind of concerned about the quality of people we are receiving into our church. And I said, me too. But you know what? It's God's church. And Christ is in charge of the church. And if they're good enough for Jesus, they have to be good enough for us. And she said, you're right. And a little while later, Kathy had a ladies group over at our house. And there was a lady that, that Kathy and I had just led to the Lord. And she came from a, a different background. Her language was pretty crass and pretty crude. And so at the ladies thing that we had at our house, Kathy apologized to this one lady afterwards, said, I'm sorry. You know, she's a brand new Christian. This is all new to her. She, she didn't know that was offensive language or anything like that. And this lady said, oh, that's fine. She's a new Christian. We just have to love and accept her and help her grow. Well, what happened? She understood that that lady was accepted in the beloved. God makes that happen. God wants us to share with family who don't look like us or think like us or act like us or even pray like us. He, when his family meets, we should be here whenever we can. 
Paul's not talking about gathering together in church. He's talking about God gathering us together all around the world. Uh, but we, this is a little itty-bitty picture of God's worldwide work where we gather together. And we share with his family. God hates family squabbles just as much as your mama did. He hates them. And there are believers in churches that we would not pastor with in ministry because their ministries are, we don't line up. We don't think they're fully appropriate. But we should show God's love and grace to them because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are accepted in the beloved, so show his love. You are accepted in the beloved. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. God has made us accepted. And we have to be accepting and receiving all who come to Christ. Verse 7. He now, this verse is up on our banner here. This verse is our theme verse for this month. Uh, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. We are redeemed and we are forgiven. Redemption is the price paid in full through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross when he paid the penalty you deserve to pay for your sin. Forgiveness of sins is the pardon is full and complete. It's full and complete. The riches of his grace vastly exceed your sin. We're going to end our service singing about God's mercy is more. His mercy is more than everything. All of your sins, all of our sins combined, his mercy is more. And his grace exceeds our sin. Look at verses 8 and 9. In verse 8, when I said we're going to end, some of you started packing up. I didn't say we were ending. I said when we get to the ending, we're going to do that, okay? Verse 8. Which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. We are abounding in wisdom and understanding. My mom was uh, born in a relatively impoverished family in Bakersfield, California. Her dad was in the military, so they had a nice steady paycheck. My grandpa was a chaplain in the old Army Air Corps and then the uh, Air Force. And my dad was born on a country farm in Pennsylvania, a small dairy farm. And their family struggled financially, and, and he left home and joined the Air Force as soon as he graduated from high school. And, uh, and he got transferred to, to Paris, and my mom's dad was stationed in Paris, and that's where my parents met. I like to tell people my parents honeymooned in Paris. <laughs> that's where they lived. Neither of them had a huge quality education. But when they trusted and started following Christ and learned his word, they became really wise and understanding people. Because when you follow God, uh, Psalm 119 says uh, that you know more than your teachers when you're following God. Now, 
When, when you learn from him, you gain wisdom that has stood the test of time, wisdom that comes only from God. And so we can abound in it. And by the way, this talks of super abounding. This is not just, you know, filling it up so it spills over a little. This is like taking that glass and hitting it with a fire hose. This is abundance. And it's a gift, but it also requires some effort. As Paul told Timothy, bring me the books and the parchments. In his old age, Paul was still studying, still growing, still learning, still yearning to draw closer to the Lord. We abound in wisdom and understanding as a gift that God has blessed us with because we follow him. And then in verse 10, he talks about us being gathered together, gathered together. Um, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. As I mentioned earlier, when we gather here in church, it's just a small picture, a little part of the great gathering we will enjoy in heaven. He has made us one in Christ. And some people have advanced college degrees, and some people have a GED. Some have worked white-collar jobs. Some have worked what they call blue-collar jobs. Uh, some grew up in loving Christian homes, and some grew up on the streets. But we all come to one in Christ. We have different backgrounds, different interests, different dreams, different desires, different personalities. But we are one body in Christ. The thing that brings universal connection to all of us is we follow Jesus Christ. All of us do. And together we do it. For his sake and through his grace, we overlook our differences. I got to tell you, I know some Christians who are diehard Republicans and they can't stand Democrats. And I know some Christians who are diehard Democrats and they can't stand Republicans. Jesus said he wanted us to be gathered together in him. Your hope is not a political party. I was reading in a book this week. I shared it with Kathy. I love the phrase. You're not here to save America. You're here to save Americans. You're here to minister to people on both sides of the political aisle or the ones that try and straddle the middle. You're here to minister to everybody. And in Christ, we come together and we overlook those differences. Like Kathy and I have always joked that I love hot peppers. I can't eat them as much as I used to. I used to pop habanero peppers, man. Those just just great stuff. And, and my, my favorite... Um, topping that I put on hamburgers and stuff. It was a blending of habanero, serrano, and jalapeno peppers. And you just put that on there. Man, that's good stuff. But if you're not sweating by the second bite, you didn't put it on enough. I, I can't do that anymore. But Kathy has joked that she thinks ketchup has a bit of a kick. So, if she asked me, is it spicy? She stopped asking me. Because she said it means nothing coming from me. Because if it's not going, bam, then it's not spicy. <laughs> We're different by God's grace. We overlook the differences. We have people who have 
radically different backgrounds. And we come together in Christ. Because that's what his body does. We are gathered together. And someday we will all be gathered together, worshiping him. Verse 11, we are also inheritors together. Sometimes when we talk about our inheritance of Christ, we break it down like individually, like, you know, Jim has his inheritance of Christ and Jeff has his inheritance of Christ. Well, the truth is, we're all sharing in that inheritance. Look at verse 11. In him, we, not each of us, but we have obtained an inheritance. <coughs> being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We are inheritors. So your kids are equal inheritors. Gwen's sitting over here by her mom and her grandma. Well, Gwen is an equal inheritor with her mom and her grandma because we're in Christ. And the kids are equal inheritors with the deacons and the pastor. The ladies are equal inheritors with the men. Uh, you, your, you senior men are equal inheritors with the seniors who are not so senior. <laughs> everyone in this room or watching online or listening to the podcast, everyone who is in Christ is a we inherit together. Now, we're not going to all receive the same rewards. Those are based on our labors after we come to Christ. But we're all an equal inheritor of the faith in Jesus Christ. We all receive the same full and complete inheritance of those who believe and receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 12, Paul talks about he's an example, and we learn from them. I have a picture here of Mount Rushmore. Someone carved Mount Rushmore because they think these Four presidents were good examples for the people to learn from and to follow. And so they carved that, and you can go and look at it. And it's kind of cool to see. Kathy and I did that a couple of years ago. I'd been there when I was a kid. You had never been there before, but it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and we have significantly better examples to follow. Look at verse 12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be the, to the praise of his glory. So, in John 17, verse 20, Jesus prays that, I do not pray for these alone, his disciples, his apostles, but for those who believe in me through their word. And then in Acts 2, 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And Hebrews 12 talks about the great cloud of witnesses, the Old Testament believers, who trusted God and believed his word. And for us, the apostles are those examples. We can look back to Paul and Peter and John and James, and we can see uh, that they trusted Christ. And they have dedication and determination, and we should follow that pattern as we serve Christ. So Paul said, we're, we're examples. He was an example to us. Those who first trusted in Christ have modeled for us how it should be done. And we have a lot of hate going on in churches today. People attacking other churches. There are some churches who really get it wrong. They're inaccurately interpreting God's word. They're inaccurately teaching it. But what did Paul say? Our warfare is not with flesh and blood. It's 
we, we don't attack other churches. We don't partner with them unless they're aligned with us biblically. But we don't attack them. They're not our enemy. They are victims of our enemy. Our warfare is spiritual. You're never told to take up arms against each other in the Bible. Some churches do that, but that's not biblical. And then in verse 13, he talks about being sealed. Right? The image here on the screen of uh, the seal they put on paper to seal things. And, uh, and that's the kind of idea that he's talking about being sealed. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, when you get something notarized, they press a seal into the paper, and, and so that identifies it as being authentic. It's been verified. And God has put his seal on you to authenticate you. You are his child, and no one can break that seal, and you belong to him, and it's guaranteed, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is called, in some translations, the earnest money or the down payment on your future eternal hope, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life immediately after you trust Christ. That's the proof that God's going to do the whole thing. He's going to be part of it now, and the rest is coming later when you're in his presence. But you have now. God paid the down payment, and he will come to claim you as his own when your life on this earth has ended. Um, Kathy reminded me of a good illustration in our culture is the engagement ring. It testifies of a real and lasting commitment. And so God never breaks his commitment, and he has given us the Holy Spirit, and he's made his commitment to us. You see, those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ, he really has blessed us with all spiritual blessing. All kinds of absolutely wonderful, phenomenal spiritual blessing. And you exist for the pleasure and glory of God. Now, if you're here and you have not trusted Jesus Christ, that's true for you. You exist for the pleasure and glory of God. You're not doing it yet, but that's why you exist. What God wants to see is you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you follow him. So even if you have not yet trusted Christ, you're not yet bringing pleasure and glory to God, but that's why you exist, and you need to trust and follow him. You, you cannot accomplish either one until you do that. But... Those of you who have trusted Christ, your most blessed life will be when you live in Him. That's your most blessed life. You don't get sidetracked by the toys of this world, by the concerns of this world, by the books and movies and magazines and politics and financial things of this world. Focus on our relationship in Him and with Him, and we live for Him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your awesome love and grace. We thank you that we can be in you. We belong to you. 
you belong to us. You are our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is not only our Lord and Savior, He's also our brother. Because you made God happy. We thank you. We praise you. We pray that we would follow you. That we would trust and follow you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.